0: Everyone, welcome to another edition of Coffee Chats. This is a show where I bring in the top individual contributors across the entire SaaS space. Whether they're in sales, whether they're in marketing, whatever you name it, we are here today, and we I'm so excited to have my friend, the revenue wrangler, Kyle Boyd from Dooley. Kyle, welcome to the show. How's it going? I'm so excited to talk with you, man. I know we, we work together pretty frequently with uh, all of the different marketing stuff that you have going on here. Dually, uh, marketing, Dually has an unbelievable marketing brand and obviously you're one of the people who uh, who helped develop that. So um, really just wanted to sit down today as we do in every single episode. want to take it way back, Kyle. I want to learn a little bit more about how you were as a child um, and ultimately some of those first job experiences before you said, you know what? I want to study journalism and mass comm at Northern Colorado
1: yeah um so yeah as a kid um you know I was I was always kind of in a creative environment and what I mean by that is like so I was I was born here in Colorado Springs and then when I was five um we moved to Nashville because my dad wanted to be a country music singer so that's kind of like a fun fact that uh, is is sort of interesting but um we obviously like, he didn't, he didn't make it big or anything. My dad's not like George Strait or anything, but uh, <laughs> my dad but, uh, is Conway Twitty. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he, he kind of has always, you know, instilled that creativity in me. Like, I, I remember just like watching him write songs and, uh, you know, you know, playing guitar and bass and everything like that. And just like, we were always just, he was always just singing around around the house. And like, so like me and my sister are like are kind of like singers and we're just like always messing around and harmonizing with each other. So just like kind of grew up in a creative environment. You know what I mean?
0: Right. So that's really interesting too. And I think I want to try to tie together some of the, these trends. And I, I know that, uh, and obviously I joked about the revenue wrangler, um, there, Kyle has an awesome video and it's what you have a, it's not a, it's a, a parody off of drinking problem, right? Tell us a little bit more about, uh, that. And then we'll, we'll drive people to that as well.
1: Yeah. So if you know, if you know, Ding, uh, the, the sales rapper, he was, he was, looking to maybe make a connection. Like he, he has a lot of uh, hip hop and pop songs that he does covers of. Um, but I wanted to help him out with like the country angle. So like he, he helped, like he wrote the lyrics. I kind of just like sang it and performed it. And it's, yeah, it's a, it's Midlands song, a uh, drinking problem, but it's called LinkedIn problem. So, uh, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. You have to check that out. That's so funny.
0: Just knowing Kyle and seeing him jump in, it was, it was hilarious to watch. Um, but it's, it's great. Uh, I love that. Like sellertainment. I, that's why I love a lot of what Ding's doing. I love what SalesFeed is doing uh, with Will over there. Like It's really interesting to, to see how it's just not a traditional sense of marketing anymore. And I, I know I want to save a lot of that towards you know talking about Dooley and all the creative things that we do, but yeah. really diving in a little bit further on this country music, because obviously um, your dad had a big impact on you there. How And, and you heard him doing this writing and stuff as well. Do you think that your love for copywriting, is there any translations from your dad's songwriting to copywriting or, or also how do you, where do you see those parallels as well with your, your music
1: hobbies and copywriting? Definitely connections there. Like I remember like seeing him like write songs, like write lyrics and things like that definitely translates to, you know, anything creative or or copywriting. Like, so that, that kind of helped me, Uh, you know, decide that I want to go into copywriting, just like, just to be creative as a job, like was something that was always really appealing to me. You know what I mean? So that was kind of like a way, like a a tangible way for me to be, to be creative and use those like skills that I've acquired as a child to be creative as a job. And like, you know, as opposed to like going and trying to be a country, country music singer, that's like not like much less tangible, like something like being a copywriter, like in advertising, Is something that's much more attainable and and still very fun and you know it's not it's not a boring job so
0: right and it's it's really interesting that you say that as well because like just reflecting a little bit back on my history and career as well I know in high school I loved doing the I had a video production class that I took my senior year and I loved it I loved going and and figuring out what we were gonna do for a video a lot of it we we did a couple um uh like competitions and stuff where we did some like really hardcore editing and stuff like that but we did a lot more of like just like the intro to the um. Uh, like the daily show that the, uh, the school would have, you know, those kind of little fun things, but I I always love that cutting and and doing more of that marketing type thing. But I always thought at the time, like, Oh, I would love to do this as a career, but at the same token, I'm not going to just move out to LA and just do it like as a movie. Right. Like, and that's what you were talking about. Like, you're not going to go do that biggest thing, but there's ways that you could use those skills. And now truth be told, I do it with editing these podcasts with marketing my own, you know, social media brand and personality. It's, it's so interesting to be able to take those same skills. I think it's really interesting. I, I guess to you, what's the importance of finding a way to take those fun things that you like to do and find a way to do it at work and also to make work fun?
1: Well, yeah, it's like, it's one of those things is like identifying what you're good at or like some of your natural skills, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That, you've, that you've acquired and and finding a way to implement them as opposed to like, you know, like there's there's something to be said, obviously, about Working on something you're not good at, and then getting progressively better at it. But there's always something. There's there's also something to be said about finding what you're good at, what you're natural, what you're naturally good at, and hone that. Like be a, try to be as much of a professional in that, and make make those skills the best possible skills that you can you can bring to the table. Um, yeah, that's I think that's what's that's the sweet spot.
0: No, absolutely. I think the the intersection of what you love to do, what you're good at, and what fun is. And ultimately, how you could try to tie those things into work that makes work not mundane and not boring, and you're excited, actually excited for doing what you're doing. And I know uh, here, Julie, you you love doing all of that as well. All yeah. right, now let's hear. Uh, besides, you know the the growing up, and, and you guys are always singing around the Boyd house, and I, I could just <laughs> hear these like I could just hear you know you guys cleaning the house, or or just sitting at the table or whatever singing but yeah. tell us a little bit more about uh, what what were some of your first jobs did you have any jobs when you were in high school or even pre-college that may may, ha- may have had an impact on you as well even if it was outside of copywriting
1: interesting um yeah i definitely didn't have like any writing jobs per se in high school or anything like that or in college like i will say one of the best jobs i ever had was in the summers i worked for the national forest service here in, in colorado so like we I worked for like Pike Peak or Pike National Forest and riding ATVs and stuff like that to like maintain trails. And that's, that was just such a fun job. So I still do that today. Like I'm, I'm out in the woods, riding ATVs with my, with my parents and uh, my wife and kids and things like that. So, but um, yeah, as far as, as far as jobs, you know, coming into my career, like my, my very first job right out of college, I think is, is like what, what really set my path forward. And, and just like and being in college and uh internships that like that like helped me focus on that creative aspect and got me in and really got me interested in advertising. Like I I let me, let me kind of start over a little bit and go backwards a little bit. So I remember also as a kid like seeing seeing commercials, right? Like Super Bowl commercials, incredible, and just loving it, just loving the thought of, oh, someone made this thing, someone had an idea and they put it on paper, produced it. They created this thing and it made people laugh or it made them act a certain way. Like I, I always wanted to do that once I found out that that was a career opportunity. So.
0: No, that that's amazing too. And I, that's what I love too. It's it's just that sense of building and also trying to pull people together. What's the importance of of trying to hone those building skills, whether you're in copywriting, whether you're in sales, because a lot of that experience of Hey, that same skill of, I like to build this to help other people is ultimately what you're doing as a marketing team or even at a startup as well. Why is it so important to try to um, focus on honing on those building skills as well?
1: Well, yeah, there's, I'd say there's not very many, like there there are, there are like doers and builders and then there are like followers, you know, and there's, and there's needs for all of those. But if you're going to be a creator or a builder then you have to you have to do it over and over again and hone your skills on on how to create something and put it out in the wild and then oh it's probably gonna suck but that's okay and then we come back and and then reiterate on it. You know what I mean? So
0: yeah let's uh, dive in a little bit there because and I don't mean to cut you off there, but I think that this is really important because a lot of people, whether it's a product team, whether it is a marketing team or or anywhere, people, even your personal brand, people get really nervous about just shipping it. And my philosophy is like, if it's 80% of where it needs to be, ship it and then you could iterate it. But how do you overcome some of that fear and, of anxiety of really taking that jump and doing something that makes
1: you vulnerable? That's crazy. Cause yeah, that's, that's one of the things we talk about here at Dually, which is like fail fast and fail forward. Right. So like put stuff out, if it doesn't hit, like you thought it would, oh, well, like you learn something from it. Right. But for me personally, I I've kind of always had, going back to what you were saying a little bit of anxiety around like wanting something to be perfect. So like, that's why I never really got into writing music myself, just cause like I'm a perfectionist and I'm, I've kind of, I'm kind of always editing myself. So mm-hmm. it's like, I, I have a vision of where it could go, but I'm not able to really fully achieve it to a hundred percent, but it's something that you have to get over in your in, in, professionally, especially it's just like, it's okay. If it's not perfect, you can't edit yourself in the moment. You have to like get it done, put it out, and then you can edit or change things later.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I love that you dove into that as well. And obviously there's a lot of vulnerability there because people are nervous to do that because they don't want to fail. But I think failing fast, you know, not that you're going to look for failure, but ultimately I have a big philosophy as well Is like every experience that you have, and this is why I love having these conversations, every experience that you have good, bad, whatever the case is. If it's good, then you, then you could find a way to replicate that into your career later on or just take those lessons and run. But if there's something that's not as ideal, there's a ton of lessons to be learned there as well as like, hey, if I'm ever in that situation again, I will never, I, I will know how I felt during that or how I would handle it. So I think it's really important that no matter what you're doing, it's so important to continue to learn. And I, I'm so glad that you mentioned that point as well. Now, yeah. let's dive into the, the journalism and mass communications portion as well. Obviously, you studied that at Northern Colorado. What was one of the biggest lessons that you learned from there, and in, in college, and, and how you're currently leveraging it today?
1: Yeah, so I, I studied journalism and mass communications because I wanted to be a copywriter at an advertising agency. And there were two ways you could go at that school. It was like you could go the journalism side, which was the more creative side, writing and things, or you could be on the bit, or you could go to business school. And you had to like maintain a 3.5 GPA, and I was not at that level. Let's just say so. So I went the I went the easy route, the creative route. Um, and yeah, it was it was it was cool to like know I wanted to get in an advertising, and I took classes specific to that. But I also took PR classes and like actual like news editing journalism classes. So just to be able to kind of take a little bit from each one of those uh, aspects of the journalism and communications realm it was really helpful for sure.
0: No, I love that man. That that's so crazy. So now let's dive in. I know you mentioned uh, about the internship already that you had that that was a, a really good foundation to your career. But then you you went into social media writing and copywriting for Graham Olson. Tell us a little bit more about what that experience looked like.
1: Yeah, so it was a really small advertising agency here in Colorado Springs. It was very it's very niche to uh, automotive and like car dealerships and car dealer associations. So you know in college you hear like your first copywriting gig is gonna be you're writing coupons that you know, are gonna, you know, be in the newspaper or something like that. And then you like work your way up to TV and radio and production and things like that. But at this agency, like right out of college, I was writing TV scripts, like selling cars uh, for dealerships. And that was like really throwing me in the fire. And it was, it was really, really helpful. Um, just like getting getting those skills so early in my career, for sure.
0: Yeah. So let's let's learn a little bit more about that because obviously you didn't sell cars before you were at the, at that job, right? Right. or at least maybe not. Maybe maybe you did. Um, no. But ultimately, when you went in that job, how did you understand the scripts that you were writing, the problems that you were solving? Like, what did that trying to tie together like the marketing side of things, and ultimately how you could get your feet into the seller perspective of understanding those pains, understanding What's actually going to hit with these customers? Did you learn any major experience? Or I guess, how did you develop that starting in that selling cars?
1: Right. So writing car dealership commercials is tricky because like your your one job is to get people into the dealership, right? So you're not necessarily selling cars. You're selling the value of the dealership and why they should come to this place versus the person down the street. So, um, you know, just I, I actually very early on was having conversations with the dealers and saying like, okay, you're a Honda dealership in Corvallis and what does your, like in, in the Pacific Northwest, like what what do people care about? Like why would people drive a Honda CRV versus a Toyota RAV4? And and you just kind of like be able, being able to ask them those specific questions as a dealer, like not just what's cool about this car, but what's cool about the car in the context of where you live. And why your dealership is different from this dealership. So, um just that that kind of taught me to be inquisitive and, you know, when 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 speaking with with them to learn to learn more about them and the cars, no, absolutely. so
0: it's it's more it's more not trying to just sell. you're trying to get them in the door as that top top of funnel, I guess, if right. you afford those car dealerships. But, um, you mentioned context, and I think context is everything, right? You could have content all day, but if it's not relating to uh, to somebody from a contextual standpoint, I don't think that there's much good in it. So, um, yeah. so I just wanted to to make that point. Of I think it's really important to understand that if you're selling a car to somebody in the Pacific Northwest, that's going to be significantly different than talking to somebody in Miami or in yes. Maine or in Pennsylvania. Right? Totally. There's so many different nuances. How do you take that same um focus while you're marketing for a, a SaaS company, whether it was Bomb Bomb or even Dually today?
1: Uh, yeah, it's this, it's it's the exact same. Like context is is everything, and not necessarily location-wise. I mean, even though some people are still, you know, obviously selling by territory and things like that. But um yeah, context is huge. Like if you're if you're a sales team that your traffic is incredibly, like your, your pipeline is low and you're trying to get more pipeline and you're trying to build it, then your needs are much different than let's say a sales team whose pipeline is full, but they can't like get to them fast enough. Like they have meetings every day and they're just overwhelmed. Right. So there's different needs for every different kind of customer of your product. And you just have to discover what that is. And there's, and there's, there's ways to do that, obviously in sales and discovery, but also, also in marketing. So
0: Right. I love that. And let's talk about that too. I think that that's really interesting. If you're talking about a company that needs to build pipeline versus has way too much pipeline. From my perspective, I look at that um, as a, I always call myself like a marketer in sales clothes because I love, I just love the marketing side of things. I think you had something similar to that on your LinkedIn too.
1: Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of the opposite. I'm like a, I'm like a salesman in, in, marketing clothes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why, why it's such a great conversation so far. So Let's learn a little bit more. The way that I look at that is like, if you have an abundance, thats like a, an abundance versus scarcity, I guess, right? Talking about that abundance situation, is it just more, do you put more parameters of qualification before it would hit the sales rep then? Or how do you, what are the differences between that scarcity state versus um, abundance when it comes to building pipelines as a marketer? Uh,
1: yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, I guess. I guess I was just, I was thinking about one of our, one of our customers, um, Byron from Apollo, right? Like his, his, his big use case was he was saying, we, we have like, we have, everyone has back-to-back meetings and what that means for them in, in, the, in the context of Dually is that they're going from a demo that's 30 minutes to another one right after that. So they have to be able to like take solid notes, update Salesforce in the moment or else they're like waiting until the end of the day or after hours to update all that stuff. And that's like that use case is much different than, yeah, like someone like I said, someone who's trying to build their pipeline, in which case they might use Dooley in a different way. So
0: no, I love that. I, I love you. Um, and, and here's the seller and marketers close using these these customer stories as well. And I you know, I know it's so important as a seller to be able to to pull in some of those customer use cases of, hey, this is what we see as sellers, and this is this is what actually happens. Is that how you guys are right now? Oh, perfect. Well, the reason why we wanted to have this conversation was because we help people A, B, and C, right? So I think it's really important. I just wanted to to tie in that. I think it's cool that you're using the the, the marketing stories here as well. Now, yeah. what's the importance, uh, I know you just focused in on one customer right there. What's the importance of customer testimonials and how beneficial are they to marketing teams?
1: Oh, they're huge. I mean, I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot more effective to hear it from someone else saying, this was my experience. And I'm someone who was like in the exact same situation that you are, as opposed to hearing it from the company. You know what I mean? Like we could say, we could say all day that Julie does this and this and this, but if it's someone from a, a high profile company, for example, and you know, that it's in the same situation as these prospects, then there's a light bulb moment. there, a connection as opposed to just hearing it from us on our website. Right.
0: Right, I mean, and who's not going to just talk positively about themselves and, and what, right. what they could do and how they could help other customers? If you could get that voice a customer, um, yeah. I think that's um, that that's uh, huge. Now, yeah. let's talk about your experience at BombBomb because, similar to you, I also I worked at Vidyard before I worked at Dooley. So yep. uh, we have that connection of the video platform versus yep. uh, jumping into Dually. Uh What was your favorite thing about working for BombBomb, and, and why? You know, as a marketer, why do you think video is so important, both for sellers as well as for marketers?
1: I love that. I mean, I, I, us both coming from a video like platform background, we we understand um, the nuance of understanding how people talk versus like what they read on a page. So, like that's going back even further. That's you know when I was writing video scripts or commercial scripts at at Graham Olson. Like that that helped me learn how to write how people talk, right? So like if because because you write a video script, and then the actor is like saying it and it sounds weird, you're like, oh yeah, that does sound really weird, but it looks fine on paper. That that just doesn't translate in video. So, um, so yeah, working at BombBomb, it like helped me um, understand the importance of yeah speaking how people talk and looking looking into my eyes and hearing my voice and the way that I use that I but I enunciate or Your inflection, you know, right? inflections. Right. That's that. You just can't do that kind of thing on, on screen or on, on a, on a paper, on, on paper. So um, yeah, that's, that was, I, I learned, I learned a lot at BombBomb. I made a lot of videos and sent them out personal videos and production style videos and yeah, just, just, just understanding the importance of video and, and it all started there for sure.
0: I mean, I am so bullish on video too. If you ask anybody in our CS or even any customers who are listening to this, I, Nine times out of 10, we'll send a personalized video every single time. I guess that doesn't make sense. Nine out of 10 times. Um, anyway, majority of the time, I am sending a personalized video because it's so important. It cuts down on that big, long block of text. It's more personal. And then you ultimately get to see that that personality, right? That person talking. and And you could hear those different inflections, much to your point. But let's dive in a little bit more. I think it's really important on the writing a script, ver- like following a script versus trying to use that as a framework versus mm-hmm. trying to actually use that. And I think uh, specifically, I love talking about that in a sales context because a lot of the time, I think it's I think it's so important to have a um, a framework. I'm not big. Uh, I'm not a big script person, but a framework. What is this? What are these main points that you need to cover? But go ahead, Kyle, and be yourself when you're doing it right? Because right. we've all heard those people who are reading off of a text and it sounds like this, but if you're able to get off of that and really focus on, on being able to use your voice and your own inflection, that's crucial. Why? Like, what are your thoughts there?
1: And that takes practice too, right? Like, I mean, you're, you're a podcaster and you have like this beautiful radio voice. So it's like, it comes off as like, uh, intimidating, like, oh, I'll never, I can never be like Tyler, but it just takes, it just takes practice. Right. And your first video is going to suck. And your first 10 videos are going to suck. And then, but once you get to a or whatever then you're going to you're going to you're going to realize okay when I do these videos I need to have intro context call to action or whatever it is you know what I mean and those are just bullet points that you need to go off of and the more you practice the more you realize that those are the things that you need to say in every video cuz there's an opposite effect actually is if you if you are reading a script then you come off as inauthentic and then it's it's automatically ignored so that's where like video can be like almost go the opposite direction Cause if you're going hi tyler we had a great meeting yesterday. I wanted to follow up with, you know what I mean? Then that's just, that has an opposite effect of, of lack of trust because, Oh, I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just a script to you. You're just reading off a script to me. So yeah. Framework over script, especially in the sales context.
0: Yeah. Oh man. That is, that is so fantastic. And I think it's really interesting just reflecting back on that. Like I just doing some of my first personal videos, like I was scared as could be to yeah. do that. And I can't even imagine, you know, one of the value propositions for for Vidyard and I'm sure BombBomb too, was it reduces the amount of time from actually typing. You don't have to worry about all of the punctuation and the grammar. You could just talk and be yourself, but I can't even tell you how many times I was worried about, you know, uh, Oh, I messed this up or, or whatever, but really over. And I think that that actually helps me right now in my, in, in podcasting and in sales, when I'm doing these videos or, or just wherever being comfortable on video and not being afraid to, um, to make those mistakes or roll with the punches as, as I, you know, I did before with that nine out of 10 comment, right? Yeah. Like, why do you, why is it so important to for you as well? Or, or what are your thoughts on trying to not always be perfect and really trying to own some of those blunders or like, Hey, you mess up when you're making a video, as long as it's not like supposed to be that commercial quality, you know, if it's more of a personalized video or, or anywhere else, why, how do you not try to be perfect? Or why? Yeah, I guess that's a terrible question, but you know the point.
1: I know what you mean. Uh, no, you're right. Like you, sh- we we always told people like when we were coaching to send personal videos was like, do one take and then send it and and don't go back and watch your watch your recording because then you're going to say, oh, I don't like how I sound and I don't want to send it. And I, I said, um, too many times, but really like those ums and like, if you sneeze in the middle of a video and then you keep going, like, that's what keeps people engaged. Like, that's what people like, that's why that's a real connection because you're a real person. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's not a, you know, it's not like an evergreen video that you're just going to send to 10,000 people. And it's obvious that that's, that that's what happened. So in, in, people love the imperfect.
0: Yeah. And that's so funny because like, I- even too, like if I've messed up on a video or something like that, and then like you own it, then you send the video, people will respond back, like laugh. At, well, number yeah. one, you can't respond. So you're happy about that. But two, like them commenting on that blunder or how you overcame that, or even even just outside of just, it's amazing. And I, I don't track is my reply rates and my response rates video versus not video as much as I probably should. Um, but I will tell you that the majority of the time when I do send a video and they do reply, people comment about loving the video. And it's yeah. just it's something different. They're getting all these videos. And you know what's really interesting too? Um, John Barrows, I know you know you know him pretty well. I, I've been building a friendship with him as well. He had told me, and I heard KD mention it a time or two as well, that they probably only get two to three personalized videos a month, yeah. a month, Kyle. What is your thoughts on that? Because that alone, when you're, when you're in this world of emails are up over 50%, people, are, your responses are, are down like crazy, our inboxes, I need to clear out my personal inbox like 10 times a day just to, to, to stay level why are people not using that video or or trying to focus on an opposite lane to get more of that traction? It blows my mind.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, not to get into a, not to get into like a bomb bomb versus Vidyard or anybody versus anybody. Oh, let's go
0: Kyle. Let's go right here.
1: (laughs) Uh, It's funny because, well, so, so they did a, a video called digital pollution and it's talking, it's talking just about that exactly, which is just your inbox being full of crap and, like to be authentic, like you have to do something different. So like, so going back to what you said was those guys are only getting one video or two or three videos a month. Like if you want to like s- actually stand out and do something different, it's not just doing video, like sending a video because no one else is doing video, even though that is the case. So you'll be different in that, in that context, but you're a different person than everyone else. So like when they see your face, like they're going to connect with you much, much more in that context. So like, there's, there's really no, there's no negative, there's no reason not to be sending videos when you're prospecting.
0: Right. And I love even more, just getting into more of the tactical as well. Like obviously one of the the things that most sales reps should do, maybe I don't want to talk for other sales reps, but something that I found successful is that when you're connecting with somebody on LinkedIn and then they get to see, I'm posting these videos all the time. People are seeing my face. It's like Mm -hmm. that advertising, that billboard essentially, um, to your personal brand or to your company however it is then when they see that email with your face it's more likely to oh this is a comfortable i i know who this person is i've seen this before and then Mm -hmm. that allows them to hopefully um in an ideal world get back to you and then you know just give the the po right away essentially right
1: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly and and you know your your picture on your linkedin profile looks a lot not you but in general your linkedin picture looks so much different than like when you record a video like this so when you send when you send a video and it's how you actually look that day then there's some vulnerability and some trust built right there cuz you you're showing them the real you not the not the linkedin produced you or whatever and it's so funny we just had this conversation
0: with what was somebody in our cs team the other day they were like oh my goodness that person that customer was looked significantly different than their yeah. than their uh linkedin photo yeah. and um it was really interesting because it made me think too, because mine is from like our wedding a couple of years ago. So I yes. know that it's something that I need to, uh, I need to fix. So, so thank you for uh, telling me, Kyle, that I don't look like mine. No kidding. I know. Yeah, I know yeah know. get on that. It was, uh, it was something that is, is top of mind for me. So thanks for the reminder there. All right. As we start to wrap up here, Kyle, I want to talk about Dooley. So when you were at Bomb Bomb, what was it about, you know, for me, one of the allures to Dooley was, oh my goodness, this company has an incredible brand. You see them all over. They're funny. They're doing this stuff. And they're really, they're bringing a personal touch to, uh, to, their, to their customers and even into the space. That was what drove me to start having conversations with Daniel and then ultimately working my way into Dooley. What about Dooley did you love that made you say, hey, I'm going to leave my pretty good job at BombBomb and go into lifecycle
1: marketing here? Same. I mean, huge shout out to Mark Young for taking Dooley where, like, to where it is now. Um, getting series B funding with, with such like such little support. Like I can't say enough about what he did for us and um, he built the team that we are today. So huge shout out to him. And yeah, hit just leaning so heavily into the bold and relevant content and using partnerships like sales humor uh, and, you know, using, using memes and gifts and things like that to, to connect with, with our audience, which is AEs and sales leaders in a way that not many people were doing. So like, and just leaning in hard on it, it's really, it's it's paid off dividends. And that's that's like one of the huge reasons I came because like, I, I kind of see myself as a student of pop culture and just like re- relevance in that way, right? So knowing that I could come in and like contribute to the funny aspects and the relevant aspects of what's going on in the world and what people care about and connecting that to our audience and in a funny way, like really, really drew me, really drew me in. So,
0: yeah. And it's some of the memes, anybody who sees, um, Dooley's LinkedIn profile, seeing the memes, a lot of that is, is Kyle and Camille. So shout out to to you both. I mean, some of these ones like the, I don't even, I'm not even going to name any of them. You go check out Dooley's uh, website to go our, our LinkedIn profile to to check yeah. out some of those examples. But it's so interesting though, Kyle, because you're taking a lot of those same funny, bold, and relevant uh, you know, I, I guess here, let me, let me share an example of like, there's something with the Royal family of the, the son was like freaking out and you, you got some yeah. really great responses from a meme there. So yeah. it's really interesting because obviously uh there, you know, obviously a lot of people are into the Royals and all of that stuff, but you took that relevancy because it was a big topic and then moved forward. How Like when you're just what, tell me a little bit more about what goes into your mind when you see some of these things and how you could say, Oh, I could tie this to, something that, something with Dually, or, or I can make that moment into something that people would relate to and how we could tie it together to our product. Cause I think that's a real art and, and you're, you're a master at that.
1: Yeah. So it, there's a couple of things. So like I'm obviously a marketer. I've never been in sales. I've never done a cold call. Like, so I, let's change I that. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. I'll, I'll cold call. Let's do it. Um, but I, you know, working at Bomb and like, that's a tool It's for salespeople. Right. And then now working at Dually, like I've, I've done marketing for salespeople for a good eight years. Right. So I've really like been fortunate to be able to like truly understand like salespeople and their, and their pains and everything like that. So, um, so yeah, when it comes to like memes and funny things, like it's, it's tricky because yes, you want to be very relevant. um, But you, it can't just be relevant. Like you can't just say like, Oh, you know like here, here's what salespeople are dealing with right now and people and you, you might get them saying like oh yeah that that does that is happening to me like right now but it's a combination of relevance and tying into an emotion so so i go back to like one of the ones we did like a month ago which was uh the stress bracelet right that got a bunch of engagement so it says like scientists have invented a bracelet that produces energy off of stress and then it shows like a guy that's glowing because he's so stressed. And it says like salespeople at the end of the month, right? So it's like, that's relevant because like salespeople could be stressed at the end of the month trying to hit quota, but it's the emotion of, holy shit, I'm stressed because I might not be able to pay for this thing for my family that I wanted to do, or or the comfort to go on a vacation or whatever, whatever your motivation is. The stress behind that is like really what, what touches people in a way that like makes them like engage with it. So.
0: Right. No, I love that. And, and, uh, right now, just for context, we are recording this right at the end of September. So you hit me right in the fields, end of month, end of quarter. Um,
1: it's the 29th. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah so um, I'm actually running my house right now from the electric standpoint. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go, no, exactly.
0: uh, I love that. So I know you mentioned, uh, your, why is, well, are you started to allude into the the things that, uh, you, why you do things. And I know, my son took the book down there, but I usually have Start With Why by Simon Sinek sitting right here behind me because that book was a game changer for me. I know you have a couple kids, kids, um, but outs- even uh, with them, outside of them, would you say your are why you wake up and why you want to excel at your job so you can make money and, and all of this? Why do you do the things that you do?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's definitely a, uh, it's a cliche to say like, to support my, like my family, you know what I mean? But that really is kind of it. Like, So my wife was a teacher for 10 years and it just stressed her out. Like she was working way more than I was and in a much harder environment. And especially with COVID, like that was a disaster. Like I, so like my why is like to hopefully one day make enough to where she doesn't have to work. Right. And we can, and she can chill. Like, so she has a better job now. She's not a teacher, but she's slow to school. So she's much less stressed, which is great. But that's, but that's my why is to just like, be that, be that financial support. And then I guess from a, from a job standpoint, like it's like, like we talked about was creating something, being able to like have an idea and make it come to life. That's extremely fulfilling for me. So that's, that's kind of like an, a, a different kind of why I suppose.
0: No, I love that. And I, I completely relate to that as well. As I mentioned to you earlier, you know, I know you, you have this nice, beautiful painted wall for people who are watching here and uh, my dad is in construction. So early on, I was all about building. I was always a Lego kid but that's what I love so much about startups, right? Being able to take that and build and see where something started versus where it is today. Um, And and to the point of, of relating on the, on the why as well. Uh, It's not cliche at all. That's my why as well. Well, Maybe, maybe we are cliche. I don't know. But (laughs) the way that I dive into my why is I want to give my family a life that they never expected uh, or Mm -hmm. or that we ever anticipated. And uh, like one of my goals is to, to get a beach house and it's not to just say, Hey, I have this beach house. It's, I want to be able to have those memories of my kids saying, hey, we used to go to the shore and we love this, or we did this. To be able to provide that for my family would mean the world to me. So diving backward from there, it's like, okay, well, how do I get to that point? Well, I need to do well financially. So we're financially free enough to do that. Well, how do I do that? Well, I need to do well in my job. If I'm doing well in my job, what do I need to do to make money? Well, I need to sell things. How do I be the best seller that I could be? Well, I need to make sure that I hone my skills. I understand the product and I understand the pains that we solve for. So, and then, it, then it, it goes all the way down to, okay, well, how do I do that? I need to make phone calls. I need to email people so that when I'm sitting here at the end of the day thinking, oh my God, I do not want to do anything else today. I always pull into that. Why of like, okay, why am I doing this in the first place? And when you can tie that line of understanding what you need to do today versus your ultimate goal and your Why? It makes it so easy, man. If somebody mm-hmm. hangs up on me or, or I have to send one more email and think like this could be the email that could help change the game for hitting my goals, yeah. then there's nothing that gets in the way from that. I would run through a wall like the Kool-Aid man to, yeah. to achieve those goals, right? So I think it's, so to your point, I mean, it sounds like you have a really strong why both um, from a family perspective and a work perspective. Um, when you tie those two together like you are, it, the sky's the limit in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one other thing on that is, so when I started in advertising, like they're, you know, they're, um, it's known for working long hours and weekends. You know what I mean? Like you'll see copywriters working 80, 90 hours a week and on the weekends finishing stuff or doing shoots like production shoots. So, um, when I was younger, that was, that was cool to me. And then, but now that I'm like, when I had my daughter and you really realize like when you when you're working eight hours a day, you have like an hour in the morning with them and then like a couple hours before they go to bed. So like, I, I always wanted to like be the guy who worked his ass off for eight hours, but then like at four 30 or five, it was like, I got, I got to pick up my kids. We're doing dinner and like, I'm, I'm turning off. You know what I mean? So I always wanted to be known for the guy who was like, he worked his ass off for eight hours, but then he was the first one out of the office and that's okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, you know, putting in, putting in the extra time when it's, when it's needed, especially at a startup like, like doing, but you know, being, being always wanting to be that guy to like, turn it off and be there for my kids and my wife.
0: A thousand percent. And I know that that's something that I aspire. I, that's what I try to aim for as well. And I aspire to, and sometimes it's really tough um, just because yeah. like, Hey, you, you finish your day and then you're like, it's still still work. is still going. I know working, you know, when I, when it used to work in the office, you used to have that drive that 30 minutes to, to just really decompress and get, get out of that. How, in your opinion, how do you try to cut those lines or what? what's your best piece of advice, not saying you're perfect, because I don't think anybody is from this perspective. But what's your best piece of advice on on being able to, to turn it off so that you can be fully 100% present uh, for your kids for your wife or or anything you're doing outside of work as well?
1: Yeah, that's tough. Um, and I think a lot of people are experiencing it with like, just working at home. And it's, it's really hard. So it's something I could definitely be better at. But I mean, it's more of a and like, I still have Slack on my phone. Like if I'm getting pinged on things, cause let's say I pick up my kids at three 30, right. From school and I may need to answer something when I get back. So I, you know, I'm, I'm still getting notifications and things like that, but it's just the act of like shutting the laptop down at four at four 30 or five or whatever time it is. And then um yeah, just like, again, like you said, just being as present as you can when they're there and not in your phone because that translates Negatively for them, for sure.
0: right, And you don't want them to think, and this is just from my perspective too. I know your kids are a little bit older. I have a two and a half year old son and a six month old daughter. So um, what that comes down to is, you know, obviously they still see, hey, daddy, we just want to play, right? So like, really that's the motivation of like, okay, maybe I need to get off my phone here. Or you don't want them to think that the phone is more important than them. So um, so for for that advice too, because as much as we could easily say, hey, it's easy, we could just shut down and do this. It is so hard, man. So I really appreciate yeah. the vulnerability there. Now, yeah, as- and, at
1: the, and, at, and at the end of the day, like I just, you, you tell yourself for me, especially it's like, it's marketing. It's not saving lives. Like it can, it can likely wait an hour or <laughs> until they go to bed or tomorrow morning, most like 98% of the time. So, right,
0: right. No, <laughs> dude, that's fantastic. That And that is probably, that's an amazing takeaway as well. And as we, it's just another reminder that we we need to, to have in these days. All right. Uh, final couple questions that I want to ask as we wrap up. Number one, we just were talking about our kids. What's your best piece of parenting advice?
1: Oh, uh, that's tough. Um, you know, like so, patience has been has been uh, a challenge. So, like, you, you know, my my daughter's six, and my son is three and a half, and they're two completely different people. Um, Nora, my daughter, is was always like pretty chill. You know, like they 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 call her unicorn, like she's just kind of been really, really perfect all the way around. And then so for me to have expectations that my son is going to be like that when he's just not wired that way, and he's energetic, and he's going to be bouncing all over the walls. And so being just being patient with them and not expecting not not put expectations on them to, to, to be a certain way, even though like within boundaries, of course, you know what I mean? But so just patience. That's, that's like the biggest thing.
0: Yeah. Pay, I mean, patience is is always one of those tough things too, especially you had a stressful day at work and then, then, you know, maybe the, the kids aren't behaving themselves and you're like, Oh my God, you know, it, it's yeah. really tough to to do that as well. So I'm glad that we're connecting on this human level as well. And everybody gets to hear this because you don't have to be perfect, right? A lot of us are parents. maybe A lot of us aren't or maybe going to have kids in the future, but patience is one of those, those skills that um, is important at work and is important in life. And I think the other thing too, that you mentioned before that I really love is like, you know we're we're not saving lives here with the work that we're doing you know so put the most important things first and and then let everything else fall in that way and that's something that i've um been trying to to focus on myself so um so thank you for that man all yeah. right final question that i ask every single guest on the show if you were teaching a college 101 class based upon all of your previous life and work experience what would you teach and why
1: Whew. um I think going back to what we were talking about before was it'd probably be um, marketing videos mar- marketing video writing, I would say. so like everything from because because've I've, I've had experience with the writing aspect, producing, directing, and then like some editing, so just kind of like um yeah, the market marketing video writing, I would say.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And that's that's a, a beneficial skill that you could have, whether you're in marketing, whether you're in sales, or even to some of the fun things. I love like taking these videos of, of our kids and then being able to splice them together. Like uh, yeah. like a perfect example of this one is like my son, like the first time he rode a bike, I, st- I took a video and he was struggling with it, right? Now, every single time he gets on the bike, I take a little video of him driving down the street. So yeah, awesome. it's going to be so cool. And it, it, this may be not tying to the actual producing part of it, but- looking at that long-term vision and saying it's going to be so cool to see like, Hey, here's his progression of starting this. And then recording a video of him, like before he gets married or like before he, (laughs) uh, before he like drives his car for the first time, like recording, you know what I mean? So I think the producing side of it, and I'm getting chills. I'm I'm excited to not to push time too much forward, but I think looking at that longer term vision and really um, I think that would be a super beneficial class as well. Kyle, this is phenomenal, (laughs) man. I, I love working with you. Um, and, and I love connecting here as well. Where can yeah. people learn more about you and connect with you and and hear more about everything you're working on?
1: Wait, say so that again. Sorry.
0: Oh, so where can people learn more about you and everything you have going on?
1: Oh, uh, just my LinkedIn page, uh, Kyle Boyd, uh, the Revenue Wrangler, as you said. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much. I'm not I'm not like a big. I don't post a lot on there, but that's probably uh, where you'd find what I'm working on. And then just like like you said, Dooley's LinkedIn. Like we're trying to. We're trying to to spread the love there. And then, um, yeah, that's it.
0: Awesome, Kyle. Thank you so much, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun.
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And if you enjoyed the show, it would mean the absolute world if you went to Apple and rated and reviewed the show for me as well, is this is a fantastic way to help grow the show and help to bring in fantastic guests and even more listeners to our tribe. So stay tuned for next episode and have a fantastic rest of your day.